Good morning, Bayleaf Baptist Church. Nothing like singing the gospel to get your blood pumping on a Sunday morning. Amen. Thank you, guys. It's incredible. Beautiful. Let's pray to the Lord as we prepare to worship him through the preaching, hearing, and receiving of his word. Father, what a joy it is to gather with your people and be reminded of the ark of redemption, how you have authored our salvation in Christ. We give you glory. We exalt Jesus, the King of kings, this morning. Our hope is in him. Father, now as we turn to worshiping you through the preaching, the hearing, and receiving of your word, it's my prayer that your Holy Spirit would come and he would do his illuminating work in us, that he would open our hearts, our minds, our spirits to the truth, the reality of who you are revealing yourself to be through your word and who you are calling us to be in light of the image of your son so that we can glorify you in greater ways. And Father, it's my prayer that as always in this moment of preaching, You would increase, and I would decrease. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, the King of kings. Amen. Well, grace and peace to you, church family. I want to remind you from our time together last week that our goal, as we gather together today, is for you to be overwhelmed by the gospel of Jesus Christ overwhelmed by what we just declared in song, overwhelmed by what we will consider in the Word of God this morning, and that you would be able to walk away today in peace, that you would be able to display that peace in your life in faith, love, and hope. That was God's desire in inspiring the letter of Colossians to be written. It was Paul's expressed desire in his writing of it. And that's certainly my hope as we gather and as I preach this word, this letter to us as the people of God in the coming weeks. And to that end, I want us to begin at the end of our passage this week. We're going to be looking at Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 to 14 But I want us to start in verses 13 and 14. Because in these verses, we are reminded by Paul of the surprising, supernatural, gracious, loving work of God that he has worked on our behalf in Jesus Christ. These verses provide that opportunity for us to be overwhelmed by the grace of God this morning. So let's pray that God would do that as we read these verses together, that he would enlighten our hearts, that he would stir our hearts with love and affection for him as we consider part, an aspect, a dimension of what he has done for us in Christ Jesus. Here's what Paul writes. He, God, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and he has transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Can I read that one more time for us so that we just let it wash over us and we can dwell in the truth of it? God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and he has transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. God has delivered us 
I want you to think about that. God has delivered us from a kingdom of darkness, a kingdom of despair, a kingdom of hopelessness and lostness, and he has placed us, transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. Now, it may be hard for us to fully grasp what Paul is writing here because we don't live in kingdoms anymore. As Americans, we live in a republic. We have kind of a say in what happens in our country. But in a kingdom, the king and his will or the ruler and his will has a, an impact, an effect on every single person that's living underneath it. The ruling power affects everything. And I was thinking about this week as I was studying the text, kind of in my own heart, how I was failing, I think, to fully grasp what Paul was writing and, and seeking, desiring to help you as a congregation appreciate more of, of what Paul is writing here. And I couldn't help but think of Afghanistan. You know, we've been praying about Afghanistan, the tragic situation there. But it's a, a pretty clear picture of what can happen when power is transferred to another power. And especially in a kingdom kind of format, the effect it can have upon the people who live there. Now, consider for a moment. We saw people who enjoyed a certain level of freedom suddenly have it taken away as radical forces sought to consolidate power through violent means and impose their will upon the people. And it was a sobering thing to see, right, as people were weeping mourning over what they lost, over what they knew would be the effect of those who now rule over them in their lives. They were desperate, and we saw pictures of their desperation as people were trying to cling on to planes that were taking off, following to their death, falling to their death, choosing that rather than living in the, the new country under the new rule, the, the new reign of those who had the power. Now, I want us to relate this to our cosmic spiritual situation. Because before Christ, friends, we lived in a, in a kingdom that was much darker than present-day Afghanistan. We were under the rule of forces that desired our destruction and, and sought to conform our will to their wills to lead us into further destruction for their enjoyment. We were trapped there in bondage to sin, and there was no hope of escape. In fact, the, the kingdom was so convoluted that many of us began to enjoy it, even though it was leading to our destruction, thinking that it was the only kingdom we could ever live in. So I want you to take what we've witnessed in Afghanistan and I want you to multiply it exponentially and then we just begin to get a taste of the darkness and the despair of the kingdom we lived in before Christ. But friends, I have good news for you. Because of the work of God in Christ, we have been set free. We've been transferred from that kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of the beloved Son, Jesus Christ. We've been liberated from the oppressive, destructive rule of sin, of Satan, and his, his powers and principalities, and we've been placed in the glorious kingdom of Christ under his rule, his reign, a good and loving king who does not desire our destruction, but has given his life to give us life. 
That, friends, is good news. And God has done this work. This is the gospel. God has authored this work for our our good and his glory. He's redeemed us. He's he's bought us out of our enslavement to these destructive masters. More than that, he's defeated them and he has forgiven us in Christ because of our rebellion. Do you feel the weight of what God has done? I'm hoping that as you feel more of the weight of the darkness of the, the kingdom of lostness, as you feel that weight and what it potentially could, could look like or what it, it did look like for us to live in that before God showed up in our life and transferred us into this kingdom, I'm hoping that as you feel the weight of that former kingdom, you will feel the, the weight of the kingdom that God has brought us in, that you would feel the weight of the work that God has done on our behalf. That the despair of that kingdom would only lead to the delight and the new kingdom that God has brought us into. Because that's what he's done for us in Jesus. And we need to be overwhelmed by that. We need to be grateful that God has done that for us in Jesus. This morning we need to praise the Lord. Because without him, that's where we'd still be. Not only now, but for all of eternity. And it's in light of this gracious work of God that Paul prays some very specific things for the Colossian church. He he builds upon this understanding of what God has done for us in Jesus to pray some specific things for the people there in Colossae. And we see this in verses 9 and 10, Colossians chapter 1. Paul says that he wants the church to be filled with a greater understanding, a greater knowledge of this gospel work. He wants the Lord to bless them by helping them understand more and more of what it means that they've been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of of his son. They want to understand. He wants them to understand more and more of of the grace that God has displayed to them in Jesus. He prays, from the day we heard of all the great things that God's been doing, the gospel bearing fruit, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, the knowledge of his redemptive plan, the knowledge of his salvation, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I want you to know more of this salvation. I want you to know more about what it means that this kingdom of of the Son has been inaugurated upon the earth so that, verse 10, you can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, that you can live a life that's fully pleasing to God. And in that prayer, Paul's revealing a, a biblical relationship a relationship that's, that's true throughout the scripture. That somehow, as, as God reveals himself to us, somehow as God increases our knowledge of his, his glory, his goodness, his grace in the gospel, that, that that knowledge overwhelms us and then it overflows out of us. So that as we learn more of the gospel, a transformation takes place such that the gospel begins to show up in our lives. Being overwhelmed leads to an overflow. Here's how you could say it. As our knowledge of the love and grace of God grows, so will our devotion to God and his will and kingdom purposes. Revelation 
leads to realization in our life. And this makes sense. If we, if we truly get the gospel, how could we not be different? The gospel demands transformation because guess what? We don't live in the same kingdom and we're not the same people. And so Paul says, I want to see this in your life. I want to see this gospel fruit in your life for your good and the glory of God. And so he begins to pray three things. Look at verses 10 to 12. Three overflows of this overwhelming knowledge that should, that should be true in the Christian church as they grow in this, this wisdom and understanding. He says in verse 10, again, I want you to, to have a life that's fully pleasing to the Lord. And here's what that looks like. Bearing fruits and every good work as you increase in the knowledge of God. Verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. So in light of God, growing your knowledge of the gospel, in light of him filling you with spiritual wisdom and understanding, here's what I'm praying. I'm praying that you would bear gospel fruit. I'm praying that you would would rest in the power of God and that you would give thanks. I'm praying that as you're overwhelmed by the gospel, knowledge of the gospel, knowledge of who God is and what he's done for you in Christ, that it would overflow into your lives in fruitfulness, faithfulness, and thankfulness. I'm praying that you would be a fruitful, faithful, thankful people. And friends, I just can't think of a better description of who we are called to be as the people of God than that. If we get the gospel, if God by his grace allows us to apprehend more and more of the gospel, surely we're going to be a fruitful, faithful, thankful people. Let's see how that shows up in our lives, okay? So overflow number one, Paul prays, okay? I'm praying that you would get more of this knowledge of the gospel, that you would be overwhelmed by it, this kingdom transformation that's taking place. And I'm praying that as a result of that, you would bear gospel fruits. I'm praying that you would be fruitful, there would be fruitfulness in your life. That this transition into a new kingdom is gonna show up. You live in a new place, So you're going to look different. You're going to act different. You're going to adopt the customs of this new kingdom, act for its welfare and the pleasure of the king under whose rule you now live. Because friends, when we've been rescued out of that kind of darkness and we lived under powers that were working for our eternal destruction, And by no merit of our own, but fully by the grace of God, we've been rescued from that. And now we live under the the good reign, the glorious reign of King Jesus. That's going to do something to you. And you're going to begin thinking about your life that you have now and how it's all because of God. And you're going to be thinking, I want to give every ounce of this life, every breath that I am given I want to give it for his glory. I want to live a life that's fully pleasing to him. And here's the great thing about God. He didn't leave us to our own devices to think about what pleases him. Right? As a husband, 
I get in trouble all the time because I think I need to get something for my wife, a gift for anniversary or birthday. And she says something like, well, you should know what I want for my birthday. Or, no, she doesn't do that. She's actually very helpful. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, oftentimes husbands find their themselves in trouble because of those things. But listen, God has made very clear what pleases him. He's given us his word. And he's given us his son as an example to live lives that are fully pleasing to him. There are expectations on our lives as believers. The gospel does need to show up in our life. We are to grow into the image of Jesus. According to 2 Corinthians 3.18, because he is the perfect image bearer of the Father. Here's the here's deal. Nobody has ever pleased God more than Jesus. Right? He's, he's the son. And so if you want to please God, look more like Jesus. And the more you're like Jesus, the more you're going to please God. So it's incredible how God has given us. He's given us his word to say, hey, here's what you should do. But he's also given us the example of Jesus to know how to walk, to please him. And more than that, he's given us the spirit to do it. It's pretty great. So as you live in this kingdom, that you're only there because of the grace of God, You're going to desire to be more like Jesus, to please God. You're going to desire to adopt the customs and the practices of Jesus in order to please God. It's the reality of living in a new kingdom. So I told you guys a couple of weeks ago that uh, I got to go enjoy a few hours at the local DMV. And uh, I got my license. So I'm, uh, I'm officially, according to that day, a resident of the great state of North Carolina. So, praise the Lord. And Jordan is too. She had the same experience and uh, got her license. We officially live here. So, like, positionally, in terms of the government, we are residents of North Carolina. But do you know that there's some things about living in North Carolina that we haven't quite figured out yet? There are some practices of true North Carolinians that we still need to learn. And maybe we will never get there. Like today, some of you who grew up in Carolina, are going to be rooting for the Panthers against the Saints. And I just can't, I can't get there yet because I'm, I'm a saint, right? Um, or some of you are going to go enjoy some barbecue that has like this vinegar stuff that you put on it. And I'm just going to have to learn because in Texas we have a different kind of, you know, sauce. There, there are some things about living in North Carolina that still haven't learned you. There's some customs that I need to embrace. So positionally, right, I'm in North Carolina, but culturally there are some things that I need to, to learn and to grow in and embrace. And the longer that I live here, the more it will become evident that I live in North Carolina. And the same thing is true on a much different level of our position in the kingdom of God. When you are, are saved, at that moment a transition takes place. God calls you out of darkness and places you into his marvelous light. You're no longer a citizen of that kingdom. You are in that moment a citizen of a new kingdom. But we live in this kind of already not yet place yet, right? We live in this fallen, broken world even as we wait the new everything that God is making. And so we need to allow God to to move our lives and shape our lives so that we grow an understanding of what it actually means to live in this kingdom so that we look like what God has said about us. 
And that's what fruitfulness is. We, we read God's word, we look at the image of Jesus, we think about what it means to live in this kingdom, and we pray that God would allow it to show up in our lives for his glory and our good. So what did Jesus look like? If that's my goal for living in the kingdom, if that's what fruitfulness looked like, if that's what it means to live a life fully pleasing to the Lord, what did Jesus look like? What was characteristic of Jesus? Well, I think the most basic thing we could say is that he exhibited the fruit of the Spirit, right? If you remember what Paul writes in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, we see that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And Jesus was certainly those things, wasn't he? He was full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He was about the will of God all the time. And he built his kingdom in a way that honored his father. Every piece of his life was devoted to the will of God. And so at even that most basic level, that's where we've we got to be thinking. That's where we've got to be looking. That that's the kind of fruit that we want to show up in our life as a result of living in the new kingdom. So here's the question. Do you look like you live in the new kingdom? Is there this kind of fruitfulness in your life? Do you look set apart like you've been transferred from one kingdom to another? Do you have the fruit of the Spirit dwelling up in you because of this Spirit at work within you and the desire to live a life pleasing to God in the image of His Son? Do people know what Jesus is like and what His kingdom is like because they've hung out with you. That's what Paul's praying here, this, this fruitfulness language. That's what he desires for us. So let's, let's take the exhortation of Paul in 1 Thessalonians 2.12 seriously, church family. Let's walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls us into his own kingdom and his glory. Let's, let's seek fruitfulness. Let's seek to become more like Christ as a way to please the Lord. That's what Paul prays. I'm praying that you would grow in fruitfulness, that you would, as you grow in knowledge of Christ and his kingdom and what it means to live in his kingdom under his rule and reign, as you learn what it means to please God, that that would show up in your life as fruit. Okay? So, second thing Paul prays. Overflow from the overwhelming knowledge of the gospel. Paul prays that the church would rest in the power of God. He prays for faithfulness. Faithfulness. Not just fruitfulness, but faithfulness. Now, again, this cannot be overstated. Just like the ability to become like Christ, just like the ability to bear fruit is not something we can do in our own strength. I don't care how hard you try to be like Jesus. Unless it's Christ in you, the hope of glory, the empowerment of the Spirit working it out, you're going to bear very different kind of fruit. The only way we look like Jesus is if he shows up in us. Okay? So that's his work. It's God's work in us that allows us to be fruitful. In the exact same way, it's God's work that allows us to be faithful. We try to walk in alignment with Christ, but we also try to walk faithfully after 
Christ. And we cannot do this on our own. We need the power of God, and it is enough. Listen to this. I want you to be strengthened with what kind of power? All power, according to his glorious might. God's glorious might. You need supernatural power to walk a life that is supernatural in faithfulness. And God has this kind of power. And what's even more, he's made this power available to us in Jesus. Think about this. I was reading in Isaiah this morning, Isaiah 45, verses 12 and 13. God is the God who made the earth. God is the God who made us. God commands the hosts of heaven. I mean, like angel armies, right? And God controls even the most powerful earthly governments for his divine purposes. There's no power greater than God's power, and you have access to it. And what's more, church family, we need it. Because there are powers coming against us. The the inauguration of a new kingdom is coming up against the old kingdom. That kingdom still exists and will until Christ returns. And our calling as a church is to advance the kingdom of God over against the kingdom of darkness. And there will be powers and principalities that come against us. And they will lead to discouragement. The enemy, Satan, is trying to steal our joy so that we will not endure. So that we will not commit ourselves and remain committed to the work of the kingdom under the rule and reign of Christ. And for us to be faithful, in order for us to continue, we need God's power to do in us more than we can do on our own. So he says, I want you to be strengthened, verse 11, with power for his glorious might. And here's what I want his power to do in you. I'm praying that you would be able to endure and that you would be able to have patience with joy that when those forces come against you, when False teaching comes forward as it will, and we'll see this unfold in the book of Colossians. As as governments and powers who have earthly power around you begin to persecute you and, and take your homes and close your businesses and take your life, that you would be able to endure, that you would be able to continue, and that you would bear it with patience and joy. That you would recognize that, hey, one day, all of these forces that are coming against us, one day, this kingdom that is working against us, one day, Satan and all his demons are going to be cast away. And the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ will reign forever in God's perfect timing. But until then, we've got to be patient and we've got to endure with joy what is taking place because we believe the gospel and the kingdom are worth it. That it is worth it to have these conversations. It's worth it to to encounter these powers so that as many people as possible can hear what God has done for them in Jesus, be overwhelmed by it, and respond in repentance and belief. So here's our question, guys. And gals, 
Do we pray in this way? Do we, do we believe that we need to be strengthened in this way for God to use us in his kingdom work? God saves us, right? We talked about this a lot. God saves us and he sustains us. It's his power to save us. The same power sustains us and we need that power. You cannot live a day You cannot live a moment without the sustaining work of God holding you up. You will not endure everything that comes against you throughout the week. You will not, we will not endure what will come against us as the church unless it is God's power holding us up. And it's only when that happens, when God is faithful to us, that we can be faithful to him. When God's power holds us that we can walk in faithfulness. And so he's saying, I want you to be overwhelmed by the gospel. I want you to be overwhelmed by the power that saved you so that you can be overwhelmed by that same power as it sustains you Amen. to live in this kingdom. And finally, the third overflow, Paul prays that we would give thanks. The church would give thanks. Paul prays for thankfulness. Now this seems to me to be the most natural fruit. When we recognize that God has saved us, and God sustains us, when we think about the fact that we've been transferred from this kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son, how could we not be thankful? Right? We didn't deserve it. God gave it. It's pretty incredible. He's qualified. Listen to this. This is verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father, and listen to this, because he's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Riches, immeasurable riches are yours in Christ. Isn't that incredible? That God has given us access to that, that, that we now are co-heirs with the Son, Jesus Christ. That's stunning news. We should be so thankful, so grateful. Here's the problem. It's easy for us to lose sight of what God has done for us in Jesus. It's easy for us as we live in this broken, fallen world to become overwhelmed by the things of this world and get our eyes off of the reality of the new kingdom we live in. We can begin being overwhelmed by the old kingdom that we've been delivered out of instead of overwhelmed by the new kingdom. But here's what I want us to believe. Here's what I think Paul wants the church to believe. And I don't say this lightly. I recognize that we walk through very difficult days, friends, but hear me. Even on the worst days of our life, as followers of Jesus, we have much to be thankful for. Even on the darkest, most gut-wrenching, soul-wrenching days, we have much to rejoice in because God, if we are in Christ, God has saved us from the kingdom of darkness, and he has transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. That's good news. Good news we should never get over. Now listen, I know there are days when we are disappointed. I know there are days where we are disillusioned. I know there are days when we grieve. But friends, we serve a God who takes our mourning and turns it into dancing. Even for Baptists, right? 
I know some of y'all want to get out in the aisles, okay? We serve a God who doesn't waste anything, who redeems everything for his glory and has given us a hope that sustains us regardless of what comes against us. And that's why it bothers me so much when I see Christians who are negative and bitter. It bothers me when I see Christians who are consumed by a critical spirit because those attitudes should never be true of a follower of Jesus. Not one who's been truly overwhelmed by the gospel. Not one who's been truly overwhelmed by the the work of Christ. You can grieve, but you can grieve with hope. You can sing and worship in prison. You can give glory to God in the face of cancer. When you know, when you know what God has done for you in Christ. Oh, friends, that God would fill us more with an awareness of his gospel, that he would overwhelm us with his grace, and it would overflow in our lives so that we would be a people who are fruitful, faithful, and thankful. God can do a lot with that kind of people. The kingdom can be built with that kind of people. I'm I'm praying that people would show up in this church and know what it's like to know Jesus and know what it's like to live in his kingdom because they see a people who are fruitful, faithful, and thankful because we had not gotten over the gospel. So how should we respond this morning? I want to ask a a couple of questions that I think are, are brought from the text that I think the Spirit can use to probe the, the recesses of our heart to help us know how to grow in this as, as Paul prays for it. And the first question I want to ask is this. Are, have you been transferred? Are you a, a, king, a, a new kingdom resident? Are you part of the old kingdom, the kingdom of darkness? Are you a part of the kingdom of the beloved son? Maybe you don't know. Maybe you can't give testimony. I want you to know, friends, the Bible tells us that all of those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If God is, if God is, if God is graciously revealing himself to you today, and you feel the Spirit of God stirring you to, to where you know that you need to be rescued out of your sin, you know you need to be rescued from an eternity separated from God, and you want to express that in repentance and belief. In just a minute, we'll have some pastors and some ministers here in the front. We would love to speak with you more about what, it, what God has done for you in Christ, transferring you out of this kingdom of darkness and eternity in hell, and now placing you in the kingdom of his Son, giving you a future in heaven. No better response than that today. For the rest of us, though, who are in Christ, let me ask you some questions, okay? Firstly, how are you seeking to be filled with gospel knowledge? Now, again, not for pride's sake, but for the sake of what the New Testament is revealing to us, that as God reveals more of himself to us through the word, then that realization or that revelation is going to be realized, that the more that we know of God's love for us, our love for God's going to show up in our life. So are you, are you learning about the kingdom? Are you learning about the king? Are you learning about Jesus and how to be more like him so that you can live a life that is fully pleasing to God? That's our desire, right? 
I'm so grateful to be a part of a church that gives so many avenues for us to sit before the Word of God and think about the gospel and think about Jesus. I hope that every Sunday morning you wake up excited about coming to worship to hear more of the nuances of God's redemptive work on your behalf. Here's a great thing about the gospel and God. God's infinite. And his work is so good, you can never stop hearing new things about it. There are dimensions that we've not explored. Even those of us who have been in the the church 80, 90 years, there are dimensions of the goodness of God that you have not yet fully tasted and seen. So come ready to be overwhelmed for it, by it, so you can have the overflow show up in your life. And not just here, I pray that we would go into Bible studies, either before or after, throughout the week, to sit before the Word of God. I'm praying that every day you would wake up and sit before the Word of God because you know you can't do what God's called you to do today without Him. Stephen Trammell, my pastor who you met last week, I always used to say, if I don't spend time in the Word, I know it after the first day, my family knows it after the second day, and everybody knows it after the third day. It's true, guys. We need a king every day to keep us looking like we're in the kingdom. Are you seeking that knowledge? Not for your own sake, not to puff you up, but to help you remember who you are being conformed to for his glory. Secondly, How are we seeking to walk in the power of God? How are we seeking to exhibit faithfulness and fruitfulness? Do we believe that we need the power of God to do this? And are we praying to that end? Again, I I stressed it in the Devoted series. I want to do it again. Paul didn't ask anything of the Colossian church that he didn't pray for. Because he knows that fruitfulness, faithfulness, and thankfulness are all spiritual realities that require the power of God. And we need to be a people who pray for the power of God to show up in our lives. If we want to be fruitful, it's only by the power of God. If we want to be faithful, it's only by the power of God. If we want to be thankful, it's only by the power of God. So let's pray for that in our individual lives, and let's pray for that as a church. Listen, I think about my day and how oftentimes I'm overwhelmed by what God's called me to do As a pastor, because in every meeting I walk into, I have a responsibility to be like Jesus. I don't always get it right. I fail a lot, but I'm I'm coming to the realization that I don't don't just need to pray in the morning. I got to pray moment by moment, right? Is that what Paul says, pray without ceasing? I need to pray before every meeting that God, hey, you would sustain me in this meeting to give me sober-mindedness to give me a controlled tongue so that every word that comes out of my mouth is father-filtered so that people walk away not discouraged but encouraged even if I got bad news to give. That's, that's a work of the Lord. I can't do that on my own strength. I'll bulldoze people in my flesh. But I'm not called to do that. I'm called to shepherd and to nurture. And, to, and listen, and the same thing is true of your lives. Moment by moment, everything that you're, you do throughout the day is meant to be a and evidence of the fact that you live in a new kingdom. How you practice the law, how you teach school, how you sell insurance, how you take care of your kids at home. Everything you do, you're supposed to do as a kingdom citizen. In order for you to do that, you got to pray. 
Ask God to help you so that the fruit shows up and faithfulness shows up. As things come against you, as disappointment comes against you, as, as harsh and unkind words come against you, as the enemy throws darts at you, that God would sustain you and keep you thankful and joyful. So friends, let's pray for that. Let's pray for ourselves every day. Let's pray for each other because we recognize that if anyone falls on our face, that affects the whole, right? Let's build each other up. Let's pray God would work. And finally, this is kind of a more personal question. How would those who know you best describe your kingdom disposition, your kingdom attitude? How would people who know Bayleaf best describe our kingdom disposition. Are you someone who is known to be divisive, critical, ungrateful, complaining? Or are you someone who is thankful? Whom the the joy of the Lord emanates from? I'm going to go back to this question again. Do people know more about Jesus and his kingdom from being around you? Are you an asset to the gospel or are you something God's got to overcome? Because listen, if we're overwhelmed by the truth that God has transferred us out of that kingdom into his son's kingdom, ooh, shouldn't Christians be the most thankful, grateful, joyful people on the planet? Yes. Right? Let's not love that graveyard outside. Let's be full of life. And let's let the graveyard remind us of what awaits and the hope that stirs us toward fruitfulness, faithfulness, and thankfulness. May God help us to live lives that are fully pleasing to him. May he continue to allow us to see more of the depths of his glory, more of the reality of the gospel. May we be a a people who are overwhelmed by the glory of the gospel, and may it overflow into our lives so that we are a fruitful, faithful, thankful people. Amen? Wherever you are, would you bow your heads? Spend some time helping or asking the Lord to help you know how to respond, giving you the spiritual power to know where some ways maybe God can grow you in your kingdom faithfulness. Again, are you in the kingdom? Do you know Jesus? Have you responded to the work of Christ in repentance and belief? If you haven't, in just a minute, come see us. Send us an email. Give us a call this week. We want to know. We want to help you. I want you to know that we want to help you. For the rest of us who are in Christ, hear Paul's prayer today. I want you to grow in the knowledge of God. I want you to have spiritual wisdom and understanding of all that he's done so you can bear fruit, so you can be strengthened by the power of God to endure and be patient with joy and that you be thankful because you have a God who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his son and the saints. I want you to be fruitful. I want you to look like Jesus because that's what a life pleasing to me looks like. I want you to look like you live in this kingdom. I want you to be faithful. I want you to endure to the end. You can't do that without me. And I want you to be thankful. Where do you need to grow? 
Would you just ask the Lord to help you do that this week? And that all of us would take that step of greater Christ-likeness for the sake of the kingdom. Father, help us be the kind of people you called us to be, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. You stand and respond as the Lord leads.